Hey, good morning and welcome to Amazing Love and in the series called How to Be Brave. And there is victory in this place because Jesus has overcome. The same spirit that rose Jesus is alive in us and that is a powerful spirit as we talk about bravery. You know, I have a theory on why we get so intimidated and fearful. When, when you consider the high diver, for example, let's just pick on him from the video. Well, for one thing, he is wearing a Speedo, so anyone with spandex, I mean, you would be afraid. I know that's my wrestling background. But, but for another thing, uh, maybe he's running into his mind all those times it didn't go well. Maybe he had just practiced and he did a complete belly flop. And, and you don't always remember all the practices that went well, but because of the pain of the belly flop, you usually remember that, don't you? I have a theory that sometimes we're not so brave because we remember our past mistakes. You know what I'm talking about? I was in a small group this past week, and we talked about what it is like to speak in a crowd, in, in a mixed crowd. And every now and then there's fear to do that because we have opened our mouth and stuck in our foot. I can't believe I asked if she was pregnant. Right? We've done that. We've, we've what's your name again? Um, I've known you for five years, um, but I'm, I'm Bob. Thanks. We know what it is. In fact, we use that quote from Mark Twain that said, better to keep your mouth shut and be thought a fool than to open it and remove all doubt. You know what I'm saying. Right? Or, or you consider uh, what it's like maybe to be a host. And sometimes we're afraid to have people over. And, and you think of that one time when it all went wrong. Maybe the bathroom wasn't cleaned. Maybe you had a dog, and dogs can be unruly sometimes. And, and you have this idea of, you know, this polite guest and the dog did something. And you don't want to mention it. It's, Anyway, right? Or maybe it was your mother-in-law and she saw that one sock that you didn't clean up, right? The one thing that you didn't do she found and was like, I can't believe in my house, you know. And so we're afraid to have people over because instead of all the good things and all the good experiences, we're rolling in our head all the times when it went wrong. You know, that, that's true for Christians. It's intimidating sometimes to share your faith in Jesus. And, and part of the intimidation factor is because we remember when it didn't go right. We remember when they asked a question and you just stood there and, and you didn't have an answer and you're like, but, but Jesus died on the cross. You remember when it turned awkward. You remember all the times it didn't go so well and so we're stuck and we're afraid. Should I really share? Should I really invite? This applies to so many levels of our life where, again, we, we don't want to invest because, hello, recession and we don't want to get into a relationship because the last one blew up. And over and over and over, we remember the belly flops, don't we? You know, in preparation for the sermon, I was reading from Charles Swindoll. And he had a quote that I wanted to share with you. He said, when facing our own giants or fears, we forget what we ought to remember, like all the times it went right. And we remember what we ought to forget, like all the belly flops. We remember our defeats, we forget the victories, and most of us can recite the failures of our own lives in vivid detail. But we're hard-pressed to name the specific remarkable victories God has pulled off in our past. And I think he has a point. In fact, let me just flesh this out a little bit. Let's work with it. What is one of your most embarrassing moments? Does it come pretty quickly? I, I have an embarrassing highlight reel, and so I thought I'd just share one. Um, you know, I'll keep it light, though. It was a couple years ago where we got a group on for, like, a public pool in Naperville. And, and it had one of these old-school things that you don't see anymore. It's called a diving board. 
a diving board. And they don't make diving boards anymore. I guess they're unsafe or something. But this place, old school, had a diving board. And I wanted to tell my children the joys of a diving board. You know, pictured myself doing a jackknife. So I get in line, and I'm the only middle-aged man, but that's not the embarrassing part. I get in line, and I'm surrounded by all these kids, and, and I go on that diving board. And you know how you're supposed to spring up with the inertia of the diving board? If it is possible for that spring to actually help me down, that's what happened. I didn't have the balance on it, and so like as it was going up, I was going like sideways, and I face-planted like this into the water. Um, and all the kids saw it. My wife was laughing, and everyone else was just like, that guy's weird. Um... And I remember it, not just because of the pain on my face and the embarrassment, but, but it, they're like seared into your memory, all these embarrassing thoughts, right? And, and so, you know, what, what is yours? And, and don't worry, you don't have to turn to your neighbor, and we're not going to go there today, but, um, but we know them, don't we? Well, now let me ask you a different question. What are some of your greatest victories? And do they come as quickly as the embarrassing ones do? That's our goal for today, that we would start living with a greater view of victory, that we would stop getting ourselves down on all our blunders and all our failures and all the battles we didn't win, but start looking at our lives of victory like never before. Sound like a good plan? You with me? And we can do this because we're hot on the heels of Easter, and there's no greater victory than an empty tomb. Our God, who could not be defeated, not by death, not by the consequences of sin, not by the devil himself, our God who rose victoriously and gives victory for us all. And this victory is for you, even if you're just joining us at Amazing Love, it's, it's for all of us that we could have this victory in Jesus. And I want to talk about another story from the Word about victory. It's the story of David and Goliath. Raise your hand if you've ever heard David and Goliath. Yeah, it's a good one, isn't it? We're going to chop off the head of a giant today. And, and that's what we get to explore. And we get to explore why that happened and how it could happen and who the Lord is. And what I think we'll find is that there is power in the name of the Lord. There is power in the name of Jesus. So let me set it up a little bit. Um, the way it went, went down is that Israel was mortal enemies with this camp called the Philistines. In fact, if you read the Bible, it, it's kind of like cubs and socks. You know, it's just they don't like each other. And no, we're not all Chicago people. You pick a side, right? Israelites, Philistines, right? And, and, and that's just the way it was. And, and they had this one battle where the goal of the battle was to send out a champion. And the champion would represent uh, each person's side. And instead of the whole army fighting, the one champion would go toe-to-toe and spare a lot of lives, but whoever the champion beat, whatever side, they would win the war. Well, the champion for the Philistines was Goliath, right? And we'll talk about Goliath. David, he was just, well, he was bringing Jimmy John's one day. He was the delivery boy doing freaky fast subs, and, and while he was there, he hears Goliath taunting all the men, and, and this delivery boy for the lunch, he's like, he can't do that, because the Lord, I mean, he doesn't know who he's messing with. He's taunting the Lord, he's trash-talking that he's going to take him down because of the gods of the Philistines, and he doesn't know the Lord who he is messing with, and so he takes up the charge. He says, I'm going to come at him in the name of that Lord. And Saul says, yeah, that's a great idea. And the whole camp says, that's a great idea. We don't have to, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we would, but, but if you want to, okay, David, right? 
And they try to dress him in Saul's armor. Um, and this is a sermon for another day, but it didn't fit. And so he couldn't fight Goliath based on what Saul was going to do. He had to fight him as David. And, uh, you know, Saul was maybe a 52 and he was like a 38 in suit coat size. And so it just didn't work. And so his plan was not to take any armor, was not to take a sword. He was taking a slingshot, which reminds me of like being in war now and being like with a potato gun. And maybe not as extreme, but I mean, it's, it's a little bit ridiculous. You have all the armor, all the chain mail, and then a slingshot? All right. But what happens? Ready to find out? Let's turn to the Word. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Uh, Here it is. You can follow along on the screen or your worship folder. It says, Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, and let me flesh this out a little bit. This was literally two verses one. Not only was Goliath bigger, but Goliath's shield was so big, he had a grown man hold it in front of him and go with him. That's unfair, but anyway. He kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin. (laughs) But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied, and you don't know who you're messing with. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I'll give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. Hmm. What a great confession. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The potato gun worked. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine sword and drew it from its sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and they ran. Incredible story. We get to learn from it today. Could you turn to the person next to you and tell him, Goliath falls. Goliath falls. It is amazing how tall people can be made. And if you ever need a recollection of how tall people can get, uh, just go to an NBA game or stand next to a a, a very good basketball player. I'll never forget being a little kid, and and I chose to meet one of the Bucks' tallest guys. His name was Sean Bradley. And uh, I remember I just chose him, not because he was particularly good, but because he was tall, and that was impressive. I consider Michigan Avenue. If you go to the old Nike town, they have a Nike store. You can stand next to cutouts of LeBron James and Kevin Durant, and you can size yourself up and see how you're doing compared to these NBA stars. In fact, in the NBA, one of the tallest ever played is a guy named Manute Bowl. Do you want to guess how tall Manute Bowl is? Very good. I heard some. Seven foot seven inches. And I have a picture of him standing next to one of my favorite players, Spud Webb. Look, look at this picture. 
And SpudWeb is 5'7". Now, I'm not picking on the 5'7 people, but that's not, like, you know, hugely short, right? For an NBA player, it is. And, and here we see SpudWeb against 7'7", and he comes up to the waist. That's just a crazy dichotomy. Well, the reason I bring this up is I have a reveal. Is anyone interested behind what's the canvas? Does anyone know what it is? Well, is it Manute Bowl? We'll find out. I'm going on the ladder, so uh, just bear with me here for a moment. It's me. No, I'm just kidding. Do you know that Goliath was nine feet, nine inches? Now let me get down and give you this to scale. Nine feet, nine inches. This is ten feet tall, so his head might have even been a couple inches taller than that. And I just come up to, well, it's not that impressive, is it? What we know about Goliath is that the armor that he was wearing was over 125 pounds. What we know about his equipment is that the spear he was carrying, not pictured here, the tip of the spear was 15 pounds. Now, if you've gone to the gym and you've curled 15 pounds, can you imagine throwing 15 pounds? I'd throw it like, meh, right? This is Goliath. And the reason I made Goliath is you need to know Goliath is fierce. It's not only his size, but he was intimidating those in Israel. He came for 40 days taunting them, saying, you guys got nothing. I'm taking you down. We're going to win the day. For 40 days, he was unrelenting over and over and over. In fact, the account tells us that after 40 days, he would keep coming closer and closer and closer. He would pass his side, encroaching on the camp of Israel because he was unafraid. He was nine feet, nine inches. Goliath is one of the most fierce opponents that has ever been pictured. Taller than Manute Bowl by two feet. Just incredible. But the reason I made this So one of the major points that we're going to consider today is that there is a reason Goliath is so tall. There is a reason Goliath is so tall. Can you say that with me? There is a reason Goliath is so tall. Because Goliath represents those battles that are way too big for us. Goliath represents all the threats that come into our minds. And they're like Goliath, taunting us over and over and over. And like dripping water, it will find the seam. And so our enemies do that, and they get into our minds, and they affect us. That is Goliath. And Goliath will get as close as we let him get, encroaching more and more and more, taunting us, saying, you're going to go down. You're going to go down because of this or because of that. And I need to ask you today, what is your Goliath? What is that thing that is just too big for you? What is that thing that is so fierce and so big, so real in your life? For some of us, Goliath is just the future. And you think of the way the world is now, and you think of where the world is going to get, and you're just wondering, how is it all going to work out? Where am I going to be in 10 years? What's going to happen to my family? How am I going to get past what's threatening me right now? 
For others of you, it might be a season of life. This is a particularly rough season for whatever reason. And you're wondering, when is Goliath going to fall? For others, it's just the stresses of life. There is so much demanded of you. And you're wondering, when are you going to break? Goliath is just too much. It's too much all the time. For some of you, it could be a very real health circumstance, chronic pain. It could be a person or a relationship. It could be the state of an unruly child, and you don't know what to do. Goliath is just, he's too tall. And so here's the first point of why Goliath is so tall. You ready? If you're taking notes, here's the first takeaway. You can't minimize Goliath. You can't. You ever have good-intentioned friends try to minimize your problems? They tell you you broke your leg, and maybe the response is, well, there's some people without legs. Or maybe you said, you know, at school someone was really mean to me, mom or dad. You're like, well, if you watch the news, someone got shot today. Or maybe you're saying, you know, um, I have a giant that I have to fight that's nine feet tall. And some people say, well, the kids in Africa, they fight giants 13 feet tall. So if you would just buck up a little bit. You can't minimize Goliath. And it isn't weakness to be real with a threat. It isn't weakness to be real with the fact that there are some really big battles and you feel really lonely and really scared and really inadequate. In fact, when it comes to God, I love his empathy. One of the passages that I just really appreciate is found in Hebrews. It says, we don't have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weakness. We don't have one but tempted every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. You have empathy today. No one's trying to make light of the real challenges in your world. And it isn't weakness to call them out and say they're Goliath. We don't want to stay there, do we? We want to ask, how does Goliath fall? For me, it's reminded of when I was in football, and <laughs> there were these drills where um, one day the coach made me an example, and I don't know why they do that. I didn't want it anyway. He picked the most tenacious guy we had and gave him the football, and it was one of those one-on-ones. And, um, and he said, you know, Dustin, you're going to be my example. You go against him. He's like twice my size. You take him down. The good thing is that he gave me a strategy. He said, most likely, he's going to go with his big body and, and go high. So all I want you to do is go low. And sure enough, that worked. All I had to do was trip him up because he was coming so he- hot and heavy. So all I did was basically get out of his shoes. And, and so is that, is that what we do? Is that our solution, you know, just come, you know, doesn't even make sense, right? How do I go low with my Goliath? That's, that's not going to work. So, so can, I, can I set up the solution this way? Are you ready? Let's talk a little bit about kids and what we ask kids to do, okay? When, when we were uh, having toddlers, we had toys out many times, and uh, we were teaching them at an early age to help us clean up the toys. And we think that's a reasonable request. We do. In fact, we had a little jingle. If you take a toy out, you got to put it back in. If you take a toy out, you got to put it back in. You can use that. You're welcome. And every now and then, we try to increase the training level. So they've moved on and they've progressed to this is how you make your bed, this is how you wash the dishes, this is how you clean up the kitchen, this is how you vacuum your room. Does anyone, has anyone taught their children how to mow the lawn? Who's there? That's fantastic. I don't know if we'll ever get there in the Bloomer household, but I envy you guys. Good job. That's great. Teach them to mow the lawn. Anyway. 
But parents know the unreasonable requests, don't we? We know what they are not prepared to handle. For example, I'm not going to go to that same toddler and tell them, vacuum the house. They'll just start drooling and... Or I have a tween. I am not going to tell my tween to do our household taxes. I don't even know what she would say. She'd probably laugh, maybe roll her eyes, say whatever. But the most logical response when given a, a situation too much for them is just this answer, hey, mom, dad, I can't. There's a reason Goliath is so tall. You see, everyone in the Israelite army, they were thinking that they had to have the strength of their own to fight him. I have to be braver. I have to be taller. I have to be stronger. I have to have more strategy. But Goliath, they knew, was a champion. And and he must have had a reputation. And he was clearly bigger and stronger. And and the reason that no one took the charge is, is because they knew I can't. There's nothing in me that can fight this battle. There's nothing in me. I'm not strong enough. And so here's a reason why Goliath is so tall. He's so tall to convince us that the victory is not about our strength. It can't be. He's too big. And that's what leads us to David's approach and the glory of it. See, David, the crazy cat, Jimmy John sub guy, he's looking at a Goliath a little bit differently because he's not asking, what can I do? He's asking, what can the Lord do? David's not looking at David. He's looking at the creator of the universe. David isn't concerned about his name. He doesn't have much of a name at this point. He's concerned that someone is trash-talking the only name that saves And David was not going to operate in his power as a shepherd boy. But David would allow himself to be an instrument in the hands of the Almighty God. And if we allow ourselves to be instruments in the hands of an Almighty God, there is nothing that he cannot empower us to do. There is nothing that we cannot overcome. And so David approaches Goliath and hear his confession once again. You come at me with sword and spear and javelin and maybe experience. But I come against you. In the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And this day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's. And he will give all of you into our hands. And so what we learn from David's story is this, that there is victory when we fight for and in the name of the Lord. So what is your Goliath? Can I invite you not to fight him by who you are? Can I invite you not to do it for your glory? Can I invite you to take down Goliath because the Lord is your strength? And the Lord is is going to empower you. And the battle is the Lord's. But in studying this, I found once again all my shortcomings. Because I don't know if you're like me, but many times I am sinfully self-reliant. Many times I do look to my strength. 
to do the impossible tasks, and it just cannot be done. And if there's any part of you that says, I am sinfully self-reliant, it is time to put that at the feet of the cross and to find the better way. Let's remember David. Let's remember that he called on the name of the Lord and the Lord is the creator of the heavens and the earth and there's nothing in all creation that is bigger than the creator. Let's remember the name of Jesus who we know who came as the expression of the Son of God and because of his name all who call on that name will be saved. At that name every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. At that name, demons run in terror. At that name, you are able to perform incredible things. That's because of Jesus, our Savior, that he defeated a much greater Goliath, the devil, the consequences of sin, and death itself. Dear friends, you have the right to have salvation in that name, to be forgiven of all your sins, to be at peace and to fight any Goliath with the power that comes from him. How precious is that name? You know, um, to make it real clear and real apparent, you know, sometimes I know people watch online or they're new to Christianity, and, and um, just boiling it down to, to brass tacks and, and, and what really matters is that we know that there is a spiritual battle that we couldn't face. The consequences of our sin were way too much, the wages of sin is death, but it is through Jesus that we are redeemed, through Jesus that we are forgiven, through Jesus that we have overcome. It starts with our salvation. It continues on into our life. Never forget that glorious gospel, that salvation has always been in the name of the Lord. And this is for you, whether you've been walking with God for a while or you just came in and wondering how good Jesus really is, it is for you. You know, I was reminded of this. Um, a week ago, we were in San Antonio, Texas. Um, Goliath is big, but not bigger than our God. Here's my picture in San Antonio, Texas. And first of all, I just wanted to thank the congregation because they made it possible for me to go to this retreat in San Antonio. And I was gathered with other pastors, and we were gathering around the Word. And it was a chance to be very real that there is a battle, there is a Goliath out there. The devil wants nothing good to happen in, in the lives of his called servants. He wants nothing good to happen in this place. He rages against it. But while we were real with the devil, we were also real with what Jesus could do. I'll never forget the closing service. The preacher got up and he was my old homiletics coach. Uh, he's the one who taught about preaching. And this was his line. He said, the devil hates us but he loses. Jesus loves us, and he wins. And it isn't even close. Isn't that a great line? We all have battles. We all have Goliaths. What was shared with me, I want to share with you. The devil hates you, but he loses. Jesus loves you, and he wins. And it isn't even close. This is the glorious gospel that we've come to consider. But before we go, one final reason that Goliath is so tall. 
One final takeaway. You know, it's interesting that in the life of David, he would fight many battles and he'd face many opponents. In fact, he was the conquering king. He was the one that set up the kingdom for Solomon to be a a kingdom of peace. But out of all those conquests and out of all those battles, out of all the opponents that he faced, there is only one that we remember. There's only one name that we know. And the reason Goliath is so tall is because when Goliath falls, that victory is finally remembered. And so my my church family and the friends of God here, I wish I could magic wand Goliath for you. You come to pastor and he falls right away. I wish I had the timing. I wish I had all the answers that you don't currently have. And and we'd watch him fall. But, But this is what I do know. He falls. This is what I do know. What we need, we have. We are loved right now, and we know where we're going. Goliath falls. And what I know is that when he falls, that will be remembered. It'll be remembered as clear as the day of our salvation. It'll be remembered as clear as those other victories in your mind, whether it be your marriage day or the day a child was born. He's so big so that when he falls and when you cut off his head, (laughs) you take his sword and you remember how God worked in your life. And you remember the battle was not yours, but it was the Lord's. And it's in his name that we conquer. And this is our security, dear friends. How good to be with you. Goliath falls. Amen. Please stand.